And that's what happens so many times that there's so many opportunities out here now for people to hone in on and find that niche. There's so many opportunities for everybody if they will take this concept to heart. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Skip Freeman. Skip graduated from the United States Military Academy, West Point in 1976 with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. And after serving in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, he moved into chemical sales, first as a field sales rep, worked his way up to sales management. And in 2003, he bought a franchise of Management Recruiters International, where he has been a pace setter multiple years in a row. Um, in 2013, he started building a firm with his wife, as opposed to being a, uh, a solo recruiter, and reached a size of eight people, Where at which point he had some personal setbacks, which we'll talk about later in the episode, and has now reformed uh, as a solo practice and is doing better than ever before. So today he's got an exciting story of perseverance, discipline, and the will to win. Skip, welcome. Thanks for being here. Mark, it's an honor. And, uh, you know, you and I have had the chance to know each other for a long time. And, um, and you've given me a lot of coaching over the years. And all of that is now had the chance to be implemented and bringing it all together. And that's exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, I've, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. So I'm glad we're finally... We're finally making yes. it happen. I think I reached out to you via LinkedIn originally because I was impressed with what I saw you doing on LinkedIn and I'd seen your website. I noticed that you were very focused in on, you know, um, mastering a niche uh, or a niche as uh, some some folks in, in a, uh, the U.S. like to say. And, um, and we just struck up a conversation. So could you like... By the way, what's new and exciting in your business? Because I think even since we last spoke, you've been uh, achieving amazing things. Uh, thank you for asking. Well, uh, back right before Christmas, a company called Emerge 360 reached out to me. Like you just mentioned, uh, noticing some things on LinkedIn. Likewise, they had as well. And they just reached out to me, chatted a little bit. And then they asked, uh, you know, have you ever thought about maybe um, selling your practice? And I said, well, no, not really. But uh, just like when I got into recruiting, uh, which uh, let's jump back 19 years, I was um, had been in sales management and there was one recruiter that I had come to know real well. I got to know him because he did a, a MPC presentation of a candidate to me. and. Um, told him at that time, well, you know, I don't need that, but I need this. And we started a, a multi-year relationship where he was hiring people for my team. And then um, in uh, 2003, it was, my company got bought. To stay with the company, I was going to have to move. Family issues, not issues, but situation kept us where we were, couldn't move, you know, just like all candidates. And uh, maybe they can, maybe they cannot. So we wanted to stay in Atlanta, close to family. And so I called my recruiter up, Joe, Joe Richter. And I said, uh, hey, Joe, this time I don't need somebody. I need a new job. He thought for a minute and he said, 
have you ever thought about running your own business? I said, tell me more. And then fast forward 19 years, Emerge 360 reaches out. Have you ever thought about selling your practice? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, since then, um, the Smart Buildings Talent brand is now being built under Emerge 360. They are an IT consulting and contract staffing firm, and they're building out a large direct hire arm uh, to uh, be able to service niches like ours and uh, healthcare, IT, and others in engineering. So that, that's kind of the story is, is we, we have reached this point now where you never would dream that an individual direct hire recruiting firm anymore would, um, would be able to be, in, be uh, an interesting asset to another firm like it was 19 years ago. Wow, that's fascinating. I'm really interested in exploring that further. I wasn't expecting the the conversation to take that direction. So, um, but that's, that's really exciting. Congratulations. Um, and, and the key is a niche. The, so your, your focus on uh, being a master of a, uh, of a niche was a key factor in, in them approaching you, I take it. Absolutely. So, Going back to originally in, uh, in recruiting, discipline, industry, geography, we always talk about having a, a niche. I was in specialty chemicals, but even though you're specialty chemicals, it's not a niche because you have uh, water treatment, you have paint and coatings, you have adhesives. So somebody, say, um, needs a, a pigment chemist or salesperson. Well, you got to have your, your data set built up in that area. Then somebody needs water treatment. So even though it's specialty chemicals and you've drilled down, it still was half the time you were always re, redoing everything, going in, a, going in a circle. And so I was inspired by Mike Petrack, and I believe you had him on, what, episode, I think, 106. And I, uh, I got to know Mike several years ago. And... Then he moved to Atlanta and had the uh, privilege of uh, speaking with him many times. He shared a lot of things with me. And so after the personal setback that I know we'll talk about and restarted uh, our recruiting firm in 2018, I was bound and determined this time to find a niche and uh, honed in on smart buildings. And that's we have now been able, for example, within smart buildings, there are several uh, sub-niches, if you will, for example, building automation controls technicians. So over the last five years, I, my research team has focused in on trying to identify and get the personal data, i.e. email and cell phone number on every building automation systems control technician we can find. And we've built up a data set, for example, of 12,000 control technicians. So when somebody calls in and says, hey, hey Skip, we need somebody who... Um, Knows Johnson Controls in Dallas, Texas. Boom. We got less than 12,000 people. Spin through it. Okay, we got 22 people we can call, and we're on it immediately. And that is building a system. And that's what, you know, that's one of the main things you you have emphasized over the years is a systems approach. Unlike when we built our first firm, got it up to eight people, and then 
the setback, uh, it, it all went to pieces after that. And that's because it didn't have systems. I had eight individual recruiters, each knowing the MRI 24-step process and each kind of being an independent island. And that sometimes you try to put two together as a team. And um, you cannot build a business on everybody being individuals. You have to have systems. Awesome. Well, look, that's something which uh, we'll definitely drill down on. But uh, I'd love to just spend a little longer focusing on this idea of your specialism and how and and the smart buildings. Um, and by the way, Mike is amazing. I have huge respect for him. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed my conversation uh, with him on the podcast. How long have you known Mike? Since. Um believe like 2014 or 15. Okay. Somewhere in there. Fantastic. Yeah. He, um, his episode was really popular. He delivered a lot of value. Um, so you, I, I might've got the date wrong. I think I said 2013, but you're saying it's 2018 that you really honed in on this, uh, smart buildings as your specialism. Correct, because okay. um, my wife and I, uh, when she moved to Atlanta, we met and married. She then uh, retired from uh, the financial industry and came to support me. And we, we built a business up to eight people. And then in 2015, I got prostate cancer. Oh, my gosh. And that uh, that just takes, the, takes it out of you. And you know, praise the Lord. It, it was that close from metastasizing. Uh, there's something called a Gleason scale, and we were just right on that edge. But still, it, it kind of set me back for three years. Um, and so in that, you try to have um, your eight people all trained, but did not have a leader step up. And one by one, people uh, went to um, went by the wayside. And at the end, I had to fire a couple of people. So by 2018, it was just me. And so getting my energy back, thinking over life and everything, I, I knew that uh, I was going to let my bad days become my foundation for my good days. And so that's where I knew, okay, I've got to build systems this time and I've got to hone in on a niche. So that was uh, that was my opportunity to take what Mike had done so successfully, find a niche and become a master of that niche. And so being a mechanical engineer and being familiar with mechanical systems, um, I went back and began to take a look at the control of those mechanical systems, which is called building automation, and discovered the um, dearth of talent versus the high demand. And I said, you know, I think this might be the ticket. So we began to, uh, I began to experiment with uh, uh, the building automation industry and found that um, I could get a, a job order just like that. If I found a good uh, building automation controls technician, I could MPC market them and have a placement um, just like that. So uh, 18 19 and, and, and up until the, um, you know, COVID recession, we were clicking along. I was 200, 250 a year. And it's kind of like one of these things where, okay, 
it's me. I'm I'm doing fine. I just uh, no longer wanted to aspire to build an empire. And then, um, but I knew I had these systems in place. And so when um, I was approached by Emerge 360 and they asked, will you build the Smart Buildings brand underneath the Emerge 360 brand? And we will you know, provide resources. We will pour into your business. And what has uh, already resulted, it's gone from me and um, five other people. One, two, three, four. Yes, five other people right now. And uh, uh, we put the systems in place. And this time we're going to be building a business based on systems, not everybody doing their own thing. And so we've defined those systems. And I know we'll have a chance probably to talk a little bit about some of them here. All right. So this this has been quite a journey, Skip. So going from a solo practitioner to building a team to then shrinking back down to solo again, but and now you're rebuilding a team, but with everything you've learned from the last time around and you're doing it differently with a systems approach. Um, that sounds amazing. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve, but how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment. Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique, while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained then follow the instructions to get started. What are the key things do you think that made your firm attractive um, to the acquiring company? Um, Emerge 360, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. For I, uh, I think it's uh, it's clearly two things. One is um, the niche itself. Um, they wanted to know more about it. And after uh, we had conversations about this brand, you know, maybe could they invest in it? So I, I put a bit business presentation together to show them that here um, in the years ahead, where the smart building itself it went has gone now from being a luxury to a necessity, meaning with uh, as an example, buildings are over 60, are about 60% of the carbon footprint. So with all the, our emphasis on climate change and everything, laws are being put into place, like in New York City, like in Boston, where buildings have to reduce their carbon footprint. So this has gone from just kind of a, a, a stable niche to one that's exploding. Like last year, uh, venture capital poured in 13 billion new dollars into the smart buildings industry. and 60% of that 13 billion was in the second half of 2021. Wow. So 
half of that money is just now being deployed in terms of uh, new companies springing up. there's tons of mergers and acquisitions now going on. So it's the industry itself that was attractive. And then number two, um, I think the the interest clearly came from our systems approach because I want to retire at the end of 2024, December 31st, 2024. So what do you do for a business to live long beyond you? And uh, so... I laid out the systems approach for them, and thus uh, we came together. And so uh, they didn't really buy the recruiting firm. What they did was they bought the rights to the Smart Buildings Talent brand. They own that brand now, and I'm building that brand underneath their umbrella. Wow, this is interesting because it's very unusual, Skip. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a business of your size being acquired. Now, I know you're saying they're buying the brand rather than the business itself, and, and mm-hmm. um, but still, I've never heard of this before. So what does that really mean when they're buying the brand? How does that work? Um, they are, um, unlike when you are an individual recruiter, um, they now pay for all the tools for me as well as anybody I hire. Unlike when you are a solo practitioner, anybody we hire is on their payroll now. So the three three recruiters I've hired and the uh, people on my research and sourcing team, they're on now the Emerge 360 payroll. So I don't have any responsibilities in terms of, of all the expenses that you have as a recruiting firm owner. And then secondly, they're paying me a consulting fee to build it. So uh, that is part of the key as well, is uh, I'm, I'm basically an independent consultant to them, but we have a contract where uh, I have the responsibility to build this brand. And then in the end, December 31st, 2024, because of being a practice leader, there'll be equity. So that is a huge part of the motivation as well. Then along the way, you know, um, I will also get commissions on any placements I personally make, but I get paid the consulting fee, get equity in the end. In between the next three years, I'm focused on building that team and having those systems in place so that Emerge 360 will, like I said, have a brand that will far outlive me, but then I now have a retirement fund that I would not have had otherwise. I will have the equity in the firm that will continue to grow as well. Beautiful. This is uh, brilliant, Skip. I'm really happy for you because this is always a dilemma. If you are a solo producer, there's pros and cons, but the major con is the drawback is, you know, you put in all those years of work and then you come to the point where you want to do something different or you want to retire and you know, you basically turn, you know, most 99.9% of um, solo recruiters just turn off the lights and, uh, you know, if they've built up a good retirement pot, maybe, um, you know, property or maybe their retirement fund, if they have enough in there, then they just walk away. But what you're doing is you're creating a legacy that will live beyond you and also creating a passive income stream for the future. So, um, that is phenomenal. Congratulations. The, um, and, and what I'd like to add to this, please, is that 
the important point of this is that Emerge 360 is continuing to build out their direct hire arm. So they are looking for two things. One, excellent individual recruiters that may want to become part of, a, of something bigger. So um, individual recruiters are of interest to them, as well as uh, I know over time they'll be interested in building other practices as well. So anybody listening to, to the podcast here who has an excellent independent practice themselves or, you know, building a team and a, a, a business like I was focused on, uh, there's opportunity there for them as Emerge 360 grows. And I'm happy to have that conversation with anybody and then make appropriate referrals after that if, uh, if, if it, like I said, is appropriate. All right. Fantastic. So it sounds like, Skip, Having choosing the right niche was critical, and you, you mm -hmm. know, there's a certain there's a number of things lining up for you here. Number one, you have the mechanical engineering background, so you're able to understand this particular niche. Um, number two, you chose one that was a growing industry, but then you know, I, I there's a certain I guess there's a certain amount of of luck, but. Uh, the, the fact that the industry that you chose is now not just growing, but exploding um, is fantastic. However, <clears throat> within that, what's interesting is that you, Emerge 360 approached you because you were so visible and prominent within that niche. So let's talk about that next, because like uh, choosing a niche, uh, an area of specialization, and really mastering that niche is the first step. But then talk to me about what you've been doing in order to be very prominent, visible within that niche. And in particular, how you've successfully generated a lot of inbound leads. Could you uh, elaborate on that for me? Absolutely. And, and I want to just comment on your, your comment about there's a certain amount of luck. Yes, but. And the but is this. Um, as an example, not only uh, uh, P-Track demonstrated great success by finding a, a niche and, you know, and talking with him, you know, he experimented, he explored several things. And then uh, during the, uh, the time um, that I was in your coaching classes, that was something you highly, highly emphasized. And so my three years uh, of setback during prostate cancer where everything kind of went back to zero was an opportunity to reset. But that doesn't mean you can't reset now. You can keep doing what you're doing. What you don't want to do is continually be in a circle. Every time you get a new job order, it's almost a, a, a redo. And, and that's what happens so many times. There's so many opportunities out here now for people to hone in on and find that niche. So yes, uh, sort of luck. I, I, I got smart buildings, but there's so many opportunities for everybody if they will take this concept to heart. Now, secondly, the visibility. So uh, I became a, um, a community leader on LinkedIn. Uh, I connected with an individual who runs a major training firm within 
the smart buildings industry, got to know him. I, I purchased some of his courses so I could really learn more of the details of this industry because there is a technical component to it when you interview the candidates. I um, went to the industry trade shows, got to know the people there. There I got to know the, uh, uh, the editor of one of our industry magazines, automatedbuildings.com. And um, I, I asked if I could become a contributor, wrote a, a trial article. It got accepted. And so for three years now, I've been a routine contributor to the industry magazine. And as a matter of fact, just the job order that came in a couple of weeks ago was because the uh, uh, president of that company said, I've been following you and reading your articles on automatedbuildings.com. I, I post almost every day on LinkedIn. Now, I haven't the last two weeks because I've been trying to develop some, uh, some training for the three new people that have uh, been hired so they can learn my systems, if you will. But normally, I'm posting one or two times a day on LinkedIn and have developed a huge following there. I've got uh, uh, 25,000 plus connections now. Uh, so that's just focus, focus, focus. I, uh, I try to comment on Anybody that's commented on my post, uh, uh, I, I go out to their post and look and make comments on what they're doing. And then uh, one of my research assistants, when somebody comments on a post of mine, they look at that person. And if they're in our niche, they put them into a, a list in our ATS. Crelate is our ATS. And so we're building a list of people who have liked or replied on my uh, post and everything. So, so again, those become warm leads. There is, except for one job order of the 13 we're working on right now, none have come from me proactively having to go out and market a candidate or, or call a client. Every one of them is an inbound lead, either from automated buildings, referrals now, or my post. Two are directly contributable to my post. There's, uh, there's one company, uh, he'd been looking for a candidate for six months, had already used two other recruiting firms, saw my post, reached out. Looks like you know our business. And uh, we're now working. Oh, and also every one of these job orders I'm working on are an engaged search, all 13 of them. So 25% uh, fee, one fourth up front, so um, I, I do not do contingency hardly anymore. I love it. Uh, that is fantastic, Skip. So let me just review some of these points because you almost gave a, a, a mini training session there on how to dominate your niche <laughs> um, and out market all of your competition. So um, you mentioned you've become a community leader on LinkedIn. Could you just, what do you mean by that? Um, the, the fact that by being proactive and, and looking first, as an example, I researched to see what were the major hashtags of the smart building industry. So I've got a list of about 20 hashtags. So I'll go in and I spend one hour a day doing this. I'll like put in a hashtag, see who's posted, see which company has posted. And I'll make comments. Um, 
and I just continually look for uh, ways to engage with people on LinkedIn. And so I know I'm a community leader because at uh, AHR, our trade show, in, uh, which this year was in Las Vegas back in the first week of February, uh, as an example, I, I went into the uh, carrier booth, uh, the carrier um, air conditioning company that everybody is familiar with. They have a controls group. And I went up and uh, handed my card to somebody. He goes, oh, you're Skip Freeman. I see you everywhere on LinkedIn. <laughs> and that happened multiple times at the trade show. So that's, uh, that's how I know I can use that term now. I love that. You're almost like a mini celebrity within uh, smart buildings and automation control. Um, so I like this term community leader. So you've, did you, I've never heard that term before. You've just decided, but I, here's what's powerful. And I think people need to understand this. If you want to dominate your niche and build a practice that is consistently generating inbound leads, then you need to reposition yourself from just another recruiter who's out there chasing down clients and um, really become a true leader within your industry that you serve. And the thing is, though, nobody is going to give you that, you know, no one's going to appoint you as a leader within you know your particular industry, you need to just step up and um, assume the role of a leader within your ecosystem, right? And which is what you've done so well, Skip. You've you've assumed that role for yourself by being very active on LinkedIn, by making connections like the you know the trainer that you mentioned for your industry. Um, you've built relationships uh, at trade shows with the editor of your industry magazine, which then allowed you to become a contributor. Uh, and you're consistently, you know, sharing information, ideas, insights with your market, both in the magazine as well as on LinkedIn by posting so consistently. You're also commenting on other posts. So you're you're just showing up uh, and it gives the impression that you're everywhere, like that comment you received at the trade show. So you really are displaying leadership qualities. And, and you know, I, I just think this is fabulous, the community leader idea. And, and may I add one comment to that? Uh, another thing that dawned on me back in this, this is, I believe, one of the things that might have caught uh, the attention of, of Emerge 360 is most of us do not call our businesses anything that's uh, disruptive to the community. We're such and such a group or as an example, uh, we used to be the HTW group. Well, HTW stood for hire to win, but nobody ever asked you what HTW stood for. So that was disappointing. And so you, you realize that doesn't mean anything. Prior to Smart Buildings Talent, we were BASI Solutions, Building Automation Smart Industry. Nobody asked what BASI stood right. for. So nobody knows your recruiter. I, in this market, we do not need to hide the fact that we're recruiters. We need to, that's what we do. Used to, you, 
you can and trying to be stealth and everything. No. So um, in early 2021, I uh, go, you know, this BASI solutions is not uh, not the best a way to approach this market. So I do another thing, polls. Polls are one of the best uh, posts you can make. People interact with polls. And so I started doing polls. And man, that just exponentially accelerated interaction and community. And so I did a poll on renaming the business. I'm going to rename the business. And I, I went through a series of three iterations of polls to get ideas like, do you do you put recruiter in the name or search consultant? And should it be this or that? And it honed in on from just doing a series of polls, which got, I don't know, every every poll had like 10, 12,000 views and three or 400 people actually participating in the poll. And that's how it honed in on Smart Buildings Talent. So I renamed the business, rebranded the business last year based upon this idea of I'm the talent guru of this industry and I'm going to go into it not arrogant, but as the guy. And uh, or, or the gal, or whoever you know, uh, uh, you just got to be have that confidence and not be afraid. I example, uh, building automation systems is a, a major subset of smart buildings. In fact, building automation systems is right now kind of the major component of it. So one of the, um, uh, as we honed in on, one of the options was the BAS recruiter, and that didn't uh, that didn't. It got some votes, but it, it didn't resonate. So that's how we kept. I kept experimenting through this uh, about six-week-long process, and um, and and smart buildings talent at the end got something like seventy-six, seventy-seven percent. Wow, that's so interesting. Look, and and that action I got was huge. Look, um, this is so smart. Letting your market help you decide on the company name that's going to resonate, that is genius. Mm -hmm. And also having your niche as the business name and your website address is, mm -hmm. look, it's you, so your smartbuildingstalent.com. Um, it's no coincidence that my business is recruitmentcoach.com, right? Because um, right. People will start like, so obviously I get leads from people who find my website because they're looking for uh, a coach in recruitment. So, you know, my website comes up and, and it, uh, so that's really interesting. Have you ever dreamed of launching, scaling, and one day selling your recruitment business? If so, I highly recommend you speak to Recruitment Entrepreneur. Founded by former Dragon's Den star James Kahn, Recruitment Entrepreneur is the world's leading private equity firm specifically focused on the recruitment industry. They invest in startups and scale-ups and have already backed over 30 founders. There's no reason why you couldn't be their next joint venture partner. James's first company, Alexander Mann, sold in 2013 for $260 million. His second venture, Humana International, he grew with Doug Bugey to over 140 offices in 30 countries before selling to MRI. James and his team are actively looking for ambitious recruiters from across the United States and around the world who want to partner with them to launch and scale successful recruitment businesses. They provide the funding, 
expertise, mentoring, and back office support to make your dream a reality. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC as in venture capital. Book a discovery call with them and be sure to tell them that you were sent by Mark Whitby in the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. Speaking of polls, um, let's talk more about LinkedIn posting because um, this is something within our coaching program that we really emphasize and we um, encourage is for people to be thought leaders on LinkedIn, to share content consistently. Um, I'd say you're smashing it, uh, Skip, like even if people can get to the point of posting once or twice or three times a week. It's the consistency that is essential. Um, but what we've done is we track the performance of everybody's, everybody in our group, every post. We monitor uh, the engagement, you know, how many likes, how many comments, um, and then, you know, anecdotally, how many leads uh, are being generated by these posts. And we use um, a really, really cool tool called Shield Analytics. I encourage people to check it out. Um, ah. So what Shield does is it gives you much more detailed analytics and insight uh, about your LinkedIn activity and your performance, the growth of your network, but also the reach of your, or, you know, the organic reach of your posts. And that way you can learn what is working and what isn't working. And so you can, anyone listening can go out and, and talk to Shield Analytics. Our clients, is, we buy them a, a seat on Shield Analytics. The reason we want everybody in our account is so that they can see each other's st statistics and metrics as well. And they can see how well they're performing against each other. And so rather than just learning from their own activity, they're learning much faster because they can see, you know, 30 or 40 people's um, results on LinkedIn. And we have like little fun competitions, like who has the LinkedIn post of the week that, that got the most reach and that sort of thing. But it's so fascinating seeing what type of content performs better and polls hands down, um, you know, get the best engagement. Um, what is your sort of strategy for posting? Like, how do you decide what to post when? Um, and I will now get better at this because when uh, before uh, Emerge and hiring people to help me now, <laughs> uh, having 13 job orders, trying to do them all yourself is, is no easy task. So, um, and anybody going to my profile to check things out right now is going to see, like I said, about a two-week gap here, which is not good. Uh, you you you'll you will lose traction, and uh, so I gotta I gotta pick that back up now. But what I try to do is one poll a week. You you can't overdo polls, even though they give you the best reach. Just like you can't do nothing but post jobs. So um, coming back to to jobs as an example two two things there now one is i have not developed it like it should be but in terms of the brand and got the shirt here and wore this in the trade show and everything um the smartbuildingstalent.com 
We also purchased smartbuildingtalent.jobs. And so we own the jobs domain name. It's nothing that I have had the time yet to develop, but it's going to be uh, our job board in the marketplace. And um, I, I'm excited about, about that. I think that has great possibilities. So that circles back to LinkedIn post jobs. By having an engaged search with my clients, I can, when I post something, I will post something about them. I might one day um, take uh, um, my, my client TC Controls as an example, and they are moving aggressively into control systems for cannabis grow facilities. So I'll, pro, I'll post something about TC Controls, use their name, talk about what they're doing in the marketplace. So one poll I do is I, I will brand and, and promote and advertise my clients. Um, then a day or two later, I will then talk about a job I have with that client. So that's one type of post. Uh, the uh, hiring situation in our market. Uh, I will go to uh, the BLS and drill down and get statistics out of uh, of our market. In a couple times a month, I'll talk about the the. For example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the last statistic was we have seventy four thousand posted jobs in the smart buildings niche, and um, so I just give comments on our marketplace. I'll talk about new technology and then I'll offer things about recruiting, you know, something about a resume or interview process. Uh, recently, um, uh, I, I had a post on uh, the last impression is a lasting impression. We always talk about going in and having that good first impression, but your last impression is a lasting impression as well. So how do you make sure you exit that interview properly? I'm trying to develop a series. And this is where I say it's been sporadic in terms of, of my buckets of ideas, but like one bucket of idea is, is focused strictly on that candidate and how they can do better in the interview. One bucket is on my clients and then jobs. Then another bucket is on industry uh, statistics and, and stuff going on in the industry, then a bucket on hiring. I'll talk about something that could be of interest to hiring managers. And then there's a bucket that's just fun, just fun stuff. Uh, uh, How to Geek is, uh, uh, they put out a comic every single day. And about once every five or six days, there's one that's, uh, has, that is appropriate for smart buildings and funny. They're not all funny. So I'll take one of those and, and post it. And then I give credit. I go, uh, you know, credit from Hire to Geek and put their uh, website address in it. But that gets engagement. People love humor. I also um, have a subscription to Adobe Stock Photos. But within that, they have a lot of cartoons. I'll pick those out and post them. So humor uh, of that nature. And then being real, just talking about something about life. So I've got about 10 buckets. And, uh, and like I said, I've not been yet consistent enough on them, but been trying different things. And um, uh, the, the ones that work the best are polls, humor. Then 
I know I get a lot of um, of interest when I talk about my clients or potential. Uh, yeah, I'll take a, uh, somebody that's not even my client, but if I see them doing something really cool in the business, boom, I'll do a post on 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 them. That is so smart, Skip. Like, of course, that that's going to get their attention, right? Because you know, companies pay attention to their own, um, you know, who's commenting or posting about them. So you're going to get immediately on their radar. That's really smart. I love how you have these different buckets, you know, for different types of content and how you've you've balanced that. Um, for the last part of our conversation, I want to get into systems because I know that's like a topic that's very important to you. <clears throat> Could you elaborate on what you mean by systems, first of all? Um a system is going to be a consistent process that everybody understands and you have the uh, tools as well when needed. And every time you get a job order, um, it enters the system. And, and this idea uh, is twofold. Within uh, building automation to make things work, we have something called a sequence of operations. In parallel, I wanna go back in time to Bob Marshall's uh, your desk as a manufacturing yeah. plant. I, I that that really resonated with me as well. So when a job comes in, you have to have a job order fulfillment process. So it comes in, what do you do next? And then what do you do next? So it comes in, all right? There is the inbound and outbound. Inbound is where you are, okay, here's our job posting process on LinkedIn, on Indeed.com. Here is our outbound process, developing the uh, prospect list and getting the data enriched. How many personal email addresses do we have or, or not have? And so we're developing for uh, the first part of the process, our standard in process that it will develop inbound leads, our standard process for outbound leads. So putting it all together, the four major steps to the job order fulfillment process, find, attract, qualify, land. And attract and land are the, the two most critical ones. Attract is because there's so many jobs available. People have so many choices today. What are we going to do to attract that candidate to our job? So this comes back to the process we have underneath a track and how one of the one of the steps in selling are engaged searches. If it's engaged search, after I get the um, all the details on the job order, then I set up a, a Zoom meeting with the client and we just do what you and I are doing right here. And I talk to the client to learn about them because that's going to be um, Oftentimes, the direct hiring manager or the direct boss. So learn about the boss, the culture of the company. And I, I ask them, and I give this question to them ahead of time so that they can be thinking about it. Uh, okay, um, Mark, let's say uh, you're the, the client. Uh, so Mark, um, I'm out there in the marketplace. Uh, approach a person who's gainfully employed, head down, buried in excellence, and they answer the phone. Why should they talk to me? What is it about your firm and this job that's going to give them cause for pause and get them to talk to me, potentially within a three to four week period, quit their job and come to work for you when they're not even looking? 
And so I say, what is your cause for pause? And so in that interview, and then I edit it using Camtasia, and I use it when we go out into the market. So if I, uh, I, I will, we reach out and we try to get conversation with a, a prospect candidate. We don't sell the job. We're selling the conversation. And then when they respond and we talk a little bit, I send them the YouTube video that we've created from that 15. And sometimes it becomes a 30-minute conversation. It just goes so well with the client. But a lot of times it's a 30, 45-minute conversation. And then I am editing it down to 15 to 20 minutes. But that gives the client always has the upper hand. They ask the candidate the questions. They have the resume. The candidate doesn't really have their chance to do their due diligence on the client. This offers them that opportunity. So um, that is under our attract process, as an example. And, um, and that's, as I said, a major element of selling the engaged search. Now we go to qualify. Do something here that and, and all this took me five years of experimentation to find which one of these worked. Uh, so we get to qualify. And when we have that first interview with a candidate set up with the client, it's the client, the candidate. And if uh, there's somebody else critical on that hiring team that needs to be in that first interview, but uh, sometimes, so it's sometimes two people from the client side, but usually just one. So it's the, the client, the candidate, and me. I sit in on that interview and I introduce the two and then I go on mute. I take my sound off, take my video off. So it's just the two of them. And then I am listening and I am watching. And how many times have we gotten our feedback from the client and it's not a fit, keep looking? What does that mean? Uh, so I've solved that problem. And I can see the body language. I can see points upon which uh, we have, we've hit high notes. Now, this leads into the land, the, the end game with counteroffers. With so many options that candidates have, we got to land this candidate for our client. I learned so much more. And now this is only that first interview. After that, all the other interviews between the candidate and the client is on their own. But I use so much of what I learn in that first video interview. And, and I record it and take notes. I use that to land the candidate for the client. I had a situation recently where, lo and behold, my client got all my candidates mixed up. And we had two candidates in, in final. And um, so we had the two final interviews. And my suddenly a, an email comes out from my client dismissing the wrong candidate. Uh -oh. <laughs> And here are the reasons. By having been in on that interview, I knew my hiring manager had got my two candidates mixed up. And so I, I reach out, okay, very delicately. So I, I reach out to my candidate and disappoint everything. Uh, and, and they dismissed them, like I said, not going through me like they should have. 
So call the candidate up and man, Skip. And I go, you know, let me, let me just say say something here. Do you want the job? If, if let's just take this one negative event out of the equation. Do you want the job? Well, I really like it. I said, okay, let me ask you a hypothetical question. What if? <laughs> and they went through that and said, if that is true, would you reconsider? Uh, absolutely. So then I go to the hiring manager and I say, uh, Mrs. Hiring Manager, uh, I believe we have the candidates reversed. And you see, by sitting in on that, uh, and that's, this is a very unique situation, of course, but it's just a, an illustration of I would have lost that placement otherwise. I, I, I really wouldn't have known that in the final interview did this happen or not? But I could just tell from those characteristics that were being described, I wasn't the right candidate. <laughs> oh and sure goodness. enough, I, like I said I was right. That is, <laughs> so, wow, crazy. So those are, those are systems we've created. And then now there are steps within those systems that now I'm teaching my, my three people that have joined our team the the steps, the subset, the steps within every one of these. So, so Mark, that's the systems of, approach, find, attract, qualify, land, and then the uh, details underneath each one. And now they know what to do. And it's not just this continuous circular process of everybody kind of on their own, trying to learn uh, 24 steps and everything. I love it, love it, love it. Skip, this, it seems to me this is beneficial in two, two ways. First of all, as you say, to maximize your success rate of those searches, because you have um, your candidate, your job order delivery system. Um, number two, for training to make sure that when your new team members, they're following mm -hmm. your exact process, they're not freestyling or doing their own thing. You've already through over five years developed this and you're able to teach it. Number three, the way you described it and packaged it, you can then sell to clients as part of, when you're mm -hmm. pitching your engaged model, you can describe, we have these, you know, we have a proven, you know, uh, job fulfillment system and there's four stages and, you know, you can describe the four stages and clients immediately trust and have confidence in you because it's clear that this isn't, you're, you know, you have a process that you're following that is going to ensure a successful outcome. So that's just beautiful. How, Go ahead. And, and, and yeah. may I add one thing on that? I'll, I'll verbally lay it out for the client. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, sounds interesting. Uh, could you send me something in writing? So it, it is in writing. And um, and so um, they get a 31-page um, proposal. Whoa, 31 pages. Is anybody going to really read that? Well, interestingly enough, uh, about half do. Uh, the others don't. And everybody's going to say 31 pages. No, I wouldn't do that. You know, two pages, whatever. No, again, these have all been tested over five years. And the power of a 31 page proposal, which is outlining these every one of these find, attract, qualified land, and then the uh, components underneath each. Number one, the client goes, whoa, recruiting, I guess, is more than just uh, having a computer. Exactly. And, <laughs> exactly. and then they go, I don't want to do this. And then secondly, when I tell them, I say, okay, uh, Tom, 
I'm going to send you uh, this in writing as you request it. Now, what I want to tell you up front is page five is the executive summary. It highlights all the bullet points of the proposal. Now, behind that is another uh, 25 pages, and you may or may not read it all. I'd love it if you would, but those 25 pages support the points on the executive summary page. I would like to send this to you, and let's schedule a conversation to go over any questions that you have. What day and time is good for you? Um, and then I ask for like three days later. So, well, so I use it to set the follow-up appointment right there and then close the deal when I follow up. Beautiful. I think this is genius, Skip. And look, some some people who are just like top level, you know, give me the you know executive summary, may not read the full thing, but they will still not fail to notice that this is a substantial, like well thought through proposal. You are, you're serious. Like you are not messing around when you've got a 31 page proposal. And so it sends a message that this is how thorough and how rigorous we are. Um, so even if they don't read it, it still sends that message. And then you've got the more detail oriented people. They might be engineers or finance people who do go through every word and want to understand the, you know, the nitty gritty details. So you appeal to different types of buyers there. And uh, we use a proposal system that allows us to see when people have opened it, how many times they've opened it, which like how long they've spent reading it, which pages they spent. So you can learn which pages are getting people's attention and that sort of thing as well. And it's very fascinating, but I love your approach to using the proposal to then set up the follow-up meeting and, uh, and go ahead. And, and real quick, I want to acknowledge David Perry, uh, who's written the Guerrilla Marketing for Job Hunters series. And he's written two great books that every recruiter should read, Hiring Greatness and Executive Recruiting for Dummies. Because in trying to figure this out, this idea of this massive proposal came from David Perry. So when he told me about it, we became friends over the over the years, and, and we're looking to write a book together, Guerrilla Recruiting. And we've become friends. And so I wanted to make sure that I gave him credit for this idea. And uh, he um, uh, has been recognized by the Wall Street Journal. So uh, check out David Perry, everybody. David Perry is a character. He has been on the show before. I don't know if you saw that episode. Uh, he's a fellow Canadian. And um, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. So uh, Skip, look, I could talk to you all day. We we always have fun and when we're doing these brainstorming sessions. Um, so thank you so much for downloading so many of your brilliant ideas and uh, for for the benefit of our listeners today. I really appreciate you. Well, Mark, it's an honor to be here. Again, I, I give you credit as well for um, all of a lot of these ideas and taking what you've suggested, what I've learned from your uh, coaching programs and then others in the industry. It, it our our recruiting industry is a community too, and there's so much we can learn from each other. So uh, I just hope um, I've given a little bit of value in return for all the value you've given me, and I thank you. Thank you, sir. Have an awesome day, and I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you, Mark. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.